Hello. Good morning, Merlin. Good morning, Dad. <laughs> How are you? How's everything way, way up there? Everything is great. Up everything in your, is in awesome. your, Yosemite, California. Yosemite. How is how are things in whatever part of the body you live in? <laughs> it's good. Rocks, yes. rock solid, rock solid here. You had a lot of coffee today. I have. How do you know? And sugar too. I what kind of sh- sugar? Yeah, I was uh, for my birthday. I was given a bag of Surf Sweets, sour worms, gluten free. It says it has the number one for the planet on the front of it, made with organic fruit juice. So technically, it's not. Mm. Sh- it's become sugar in the bloodstream. Sometimes you seem like an OCR program that almost works. Sugar to beat us. Sugar. <laughs> to beat us sugar to beat i've done it i've told my daughter she's gonna lose a foot i've done it you like that you like having one shoe i do i do like that Mm, it's not funny no it isn't sugar sugar's the enemy right it is i watched a video about this i got ucsf who doesn't like sugar oh yeah oh yeah it's it's apparently apparently a pretty bad thing the sugar yeah Yeah, you want to try and avoid that you know what i didn't know turns out the, the Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola, uh, you know why it's got so much sugar in it? Why? Well, it's cheap. But also, it covers up the taste of how much salt is in Coca-Cola, turns out. It makes I you thirsty. I had no idea there was that much salt in That's there. That's how they get you. Yep. Yep. I watched a video uh, of a guy talking about sugar. It was really interesting. I think you'd like it. It's pretty crazy. Um, so, when was your birthday? Ah, uh, the 26th, it was back on, uh, you a, know, a couple, days, couple ago. days ago. A couple days ago. I, happy birthday. I, that's weird. I don't have that in my dingus. I didn't get a pop-up. You didn't? Yeah. That's weird. Okay, I'm going to write, it, write that put down. Put it in there. Okay. October 26th, 1928. 1928. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Oh, what a morning. I have so many bullets here. Got a lot of bullets. I, I tried not to prep. I don't have any real prep, but I got a lot of fake follow-up. Well, t- but, start, start. Help me not, out. There's not, nothing, nothing of, of that much consequence. Um, I had an idea for a superhero named Apocryphal. What you got? He might not actually be a superhero. He might just be a, a myth. A and myth. that's what he uses. Apocryphal. I couldn't cross that one off. Done. D-D-O. Um, what do we got? You know, um, okay, this is, this is a non-follow-up follow-up, but just to say that we, uh, I feel like we got some nice responses, uh, to last week's episode and, uh, very nice responses, especially considering that it was a show that, uh, that you said, uh, later in, in post Mm -hmm. that you weren't that confident about. It's probably one of our worst episodes. Why do you feel that way? Oh, you know, it's so hard to tell the best from the worst. Um, it's such a such a fine line. It's like a little silver strand that's meant to be a bridge. I don't know. It, you know, I I I feel like uh, I don't have that much to to tell people. I, I think I problematize. That's a, that's a that's a term that I learned. Yeah, I learned that from uh, from my friend uh, Jason B. Jones. He's an, he's an ac- ac- academician and uh, academician with a mission. And he says, he says that uh, one job of the academic is to problematize. And I had never heard that term, despite my liberal arts background. Uh. 
Um, and the idea is that you kind of pick things apart. It's, it's a version of hypercritical, I guess. But but problematizing is, I guess, and I'm, <laughs> the irony is, of course, we will get notes about how we're getting this wrong, too. But, uh, you know, I always, uh, I enjoy the impossible problems. And to me, like, a problem isn't that interesting until it's impossible. You know what I mean? I feel like all of the interesting problems, or all of the, all of the easy problems were solved a long time ago. You know what I mean? You know, they and say like, that about uh, people who... Uh, Sorry. They say that about people who get in, uh, enlightened, that uh, all the people who could get enlightened already got enlightened. Huh. Yeah. It's kind of like if you, if you really deserve the job, you'd already have it. it you don't want uh, to dress for the job that you have, dress for the job you want. Dress for the job you used to have. Did you watch Homeland? Yes. I got, I got exactly one thing to say about Homeland. <laughs> Go ahead, and I, I'm certainly, thank you, uh, first-time carrier. I'm probably not the first person to, to mention this. Okay. But uh, when that guy... Uh, what's his name? It was it's the guy from Mad Men when he's uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you notice anything about I'm the, no 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 plot spoilers? But at one point he was taking photos with his phone, and I was with him all along. First of all, he used his phone as a flashlight, which I thought was pretty good for like uh, a, a scared drunk guy to know to use his phone in official flashlight mode. But did you notice anything about when he took photos with his phone? Yeah, Every time uh, he took it, it made the Siri sound. It made the Siri sound, but at least it did look like, to their credit, it did look yeah. like he had the little, you know, you slide up the bottom of the thing to turn the flashlight on, which he was yes. using. It did look like that was on. And, and he even did that thing I do where you hold it in a real dainty way when you're <laughs> taking a photo with your pinkies out. He knew to focus. I don't think that guy was that drunk. Yeah, he was supposed to be more drunk, I think, than actually. But it was weird. Was. It was like it was like uh, the ADR in a Godzilla film. Like it just felt wrong. Like when you'd hear the Siri sound, you're like, "Stop doing that! <laughs> Doesn't make that noise." Why do I'm they like, do that? That show has a history of doing bad computer interfaces. I, I tweeted about it last weekend when I was watching it. I'm like, you know, I'm way more impressed by a show that shows a real computer interface than one that creates a fantastical interface to impress me. Those just don't seem. Like that, oh, who right. is that? Impre- don't don't make a strange. This is the CIA's, you know, computer. No, the CIA is probably using Windows XP. So just show Windows XP. You know what I mean? Like show something yeah. we've seen that we know. Don't make it fancy. When I type into the Google search, I don't hear strange little. When I just Circus has pointed that out a lot. Like everybody always has computers, like especially like in war games, where every time you type a key, it makes a beeping noise. Right. I need that. I, uh, I want that to remind me I'm typing. I learned one this weekend uh, listening to The Incomparable. I'll put this in show notes. They um, did an episode on The Terminator. And uh, Steve Lutz pointed out that I, I guess I always think of like the little heads up display that the Terminator, Terminator has. The term, Terminator. <laughs> Diabetes. I always think of the Terminator <laughs> as having the Terminator 2 heads up display where he gets information like, these clothes will fit me, these kinds of things. But no, it's just code running across the screen. He said it's, uh, it's assembly code with the comments still in it that's running on the screen in Terminator 1. Isn't that kind of hilarious? So, yeah, that's a very... I might be know. getting that slightly wrong, but I think that that's basically what it was. But uh, yeah, you know, I'm with The Incomparable. That movie, I remember that movie being so good for such a long time. And then when I go back and watch it now, I still really enjoy it, but it's not quite as good it really is desperately dated but it's a, it's a good film it's a good film i did anyway, watch silence of the lambs based on your recommendation again i didn't recommend it did i you I said it I was did. a good film and it had it held up you know what i did what a terrible episode i did recommend that yes why was it terrible so we got so much feedback about that yeah maybe i'm an unreliable witness i don't know um and so t- what did you notice uh you enjoyed it sounds like you enjoyed it 
Oh, yeah, I really did. I noticed, of course, that everyone looks at the camera uh, and uh, and and that uh, that it's it it did seem extreme. Once you notice it, you really start noticing it. So thanks for that. Yeah, but I enjoyed it. I found that the scenes. I no spoilers. There's a scene in the movie where there's a man dressed a certain way. You know the scene I'm talking about. You're talking about down in his little uh, in basement. his little parlor. That's a, he's got a very large labyrinthine basement. Yeah, he sure he's does. He's got basements and more basements. He's like he's like a supervillain. Anyway, he's dressed a certain way. He's dressed a certain way. And the I remember seeing that movie at the time that came out, which was, I believe, 1994. Uh, recent college grad. And remember, n- not being disturbed by that scene. That's not the right word for it. But thinking, wow, this is... This guy's oh, yeah. out there, you know. Like, is it based is like around the time of the image that I posted last week, where he's kind of like look, like looking at a camera and like doing his little dance? Yes, that oh, scene. Oh god, it's and, and I again mean, the the book is actually improbably like a hundred times creepier, yeah. but the movie is still so creepy. You know what it is? It's jewelry. I think men wearing jewelry can be very <laughs> that disturbing. type of jewelry. Well, the thing is, yeah, it's jewelry. Well, at the time, that was like. <laughs> Wow, this guy, he's messed up. Yeah. And today it's like, he's making my coffee at Starbucks. You know what I mean? Like, it's oh, not yeah. its not a weird thing. And it, this is just normal. But back then it was like, kooky weird, you know? Absolutely. And- like Alan Moore meets Frankenstein or something. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I, I 100% agree. Um, <laughs> and there's so- just so much that I... I, I a piercing. So- oh. <laughs> oh, 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 right. He's got his, his little yeah, necklace. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes, but no spoilers. <laughs> um, but, you know, the performances are so awfully good. And, like, I think Jodie Foster is so great in that. Like, her, the way she carries herself is so great. And I'll get the line wrong. <laughs> one line I always love in that movie, movie, he's got his broken arm and he's got to get the couch in. And you hear him in the van say to the girl something like, what are you, like a size 14? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so creepy. It's so good, though. And, you know, you wonder, like, was it in 1994, would most girls happily help a guy load a chair into the back of his rape van? Or, or you know, like, have we, yeah. are we past, like, now I don't think... Anyone would really do that. I think today, I think today, a single guy with a fake broken arm in a white van throws a certain shape. And I, I think, uh, I think today we've we've learned a lot. We've, we've seen things on PBS. <laughs> yeah, we've read things in our local papers, and we mm-hmm. know not to get in a white van with a guy who wants to know what size you are. Right. I mean, that's a t- that's a tip off. That's a tip off because you know maybe 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 okay maybe maybe he's got some dresses back there and he <laughs> wants to thank her. Are you like a size fourteen? Here, put this on. <laughs> right. And it, did you know way that question ends well? There were a few things in the in. And again, no spoilers, but there were a number of things in this movie that so early on give away motives, motive, bad motives. Yeah. That looking back on it, I'm like, how could I not have seen that? Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think they're good at uh, doing something that. um I mean, today you get so used to, in a post-Shyamalan universe, you're so used to the twist. You're always waiting for the twist. And in this one, the there was an apparent twist, which is who did it, when we kind of sort of knew who was the baddie. But the whole bit with, like, which house they go to, I think that's so well done. I love you know? that that particular moment. I remember just seeing that in the theater and being like, wow, 
you just totally blew my mind. Yeah, like, I mean, and the thing is now, that's such a thing now. Like, last night, okay, there's a certain zombie show that my wife watches that I... It, it, I, I just, it's a popular zombie show that I can't watch because it just freaks me out. Walking Dead, many. right? I wasn't going to name it, but uh, it freaks me out. And we were watching it last night. She was watching it. I was, I was reading um, an article by Film Crit Hulk to try and avoid looking at the screen. And, uh, but th- then there's a, there's a scene <clears throat> where they're doing that thing, where they're, they're showing something and you're, and you're supposed to kind of know what the proximity of something is. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah, they're totally coming from the back. Boom. They come up from the back. Yeah. It wasn't what they expected. Wah, wah. And that's, you know, it's such a thing. Now you come to look for it. I think years of watching law and order have habituated me to watching which former celebrity the camera lingers on too long at 28 minutes after the hour. There's a pretty good chance. That's the person who did it. Mm. But how great was Danny? Isn't Danny great? Danny Noonan. Danny Noonan. Isn't he, isn't he, uh, I think he's awfully good on that show. He's so good. I liked him last night. He's like, cause I'm a spy. Yeah. Or the yeah. night, I watch it, see, I watch it on, uh, on Monday night. We, we've been admonished not to spoil, uh, recent episodes of the show. So I don't want to say too much, but, but the, the kid from Caddyshack is on, uh, Homeland and he's great. <laughs> he, is. he looks exactly like what his character is supposed to be, mm-hmm. which is like an untrustable, like paunchy drunk. Yeah, and they got the guy from uh, what's that? It's not that Duck Phillips. What's his name? Who's the guy from uh, Mad Men? Who am I thinking of? Is uh, Uncle Scrooge? What's his name? <laughs> Duck Duckburg. What am I thinking of? Treasure Bath. What's the guy's name? I don't know his name. I'm sorry. The Beagle Boys. Remember the Beagle Boys? Yeah. The, yeah. The uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh man, it's going to be a really good episode. I can feel it already. Why you were so down after last? You're like every time. This is how I know. Every time we end the episode and you're like, that was a weird one. I'm sorry about that. Anytime you apologize for the episode, I know we're going to get tremendous positive feedback from thousands of people. Hmm. It's true. Everybody happens. loves a shambling public mess. No, Hello. it was really good. I think it helps. It's helping people. Yes. Yes. So the nature of responses we got, and I, I, the reason I'm reluctant to bring this up is I didn't quantify this or... I'm not providing quotes, but uh, one thing we should mention, <laughs> this is doubly damning, is that several people pointed out that we were incorrectly using the phrases positive and negative reinforcement. Yes, that was the whole, so the whole premise of the show, which was my fault, uh, that whole premise was wrong. Uh, <laughs> so, um, the, anyway, uh, I'd like to apologize that we got uh, that wrong. I hope there's still something useful to get out of it. Uh, we got lots of links to uh, web pages and books that could be helpful. Um, I put a couple things into show notes. Uh, Dan, and as much as you can say, where would people find uh, show notes for episode 190 diggity three of your back to work program? Uh, you would go to five by five dot TV slash B as in brothers, two as in the number, W as in women slash one. And you said this was 93. B I should as know, in but I'm not broken arm, two is in the number, W, w as, in as in white van. White van, slash one, nine, three. That's where they go. Yeah. Sign up for a little newsletter. Yeah, that's a nice newsletter. Looks so, like He um, looks like a VJ in that picture from last week. Who that? The, uh... Oh, 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 he does. He's got the, he's like the podcast guy. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. That's right, right, right. <laughs> What's his name, Adam Carolla? What's his name? Yosemite. Adam 12. What's his name? I who know. am I thinking of? Dave Weiner? Uh, yeah. Dave, Dave Weiner is the one who right, co-invented Dave. the internet with Al Gore. Who am yeah. I thinking of? No, that's who. Yeah. Um, oh, and I just got, I, I've, I did the thing mm-hmm. where but I want to segue into this, but I want to drop a note to circle back. 
I'm going to put it here. It's a bullet now. Uh, I've integrated. I did the thing where you can have messages also on your computer. Again, I had taken a break from it for about a year, and I had some feedback for you that came in just during the show about the thing this. thing where you can have messages on your computer again. You have messages on your computer and your iPhone at the same time. Yes. Where you can type. Talking about the Apple technology? Yeah, Yosemite. Okay. So I just, I want to circle back to that later if we have time. We can do it in the post-show too. Oh, i got a lot to say. Lot to say. Um, so thank you to everybody. Well, th- you know, thank you for listening. It's it's an it's an ongoing experiment. Uh, I, I do appreciate the people listen. And when I say listen, I don't mean just you know sit around with it on. I, obviously, they're hearing the words, and that's uh, gratifying. And thank you to everybody for the feedback. Um, what were some other things? Uh, suggestions for books. Uh, one one book someone suggested that we bought a long time ago, and I never read. What is it? Uh, talking so your kids will listen and listening so your kids will talk or something like that. It's one of those turns out titles. Mm-hmm. But um, that's supposed to be a really good book. Um, in more important news, I don't think I mentioned this. I want to get this out of the way quickly. It's very important that everyone buy uh, Silver Surfer, the first, the first uh, trade paperback of Dan Slott and the All Reds uh, Silver Surfer is now available. I put a link to that to Comixology. Um, it's really awfully good. If if you like if you like comic books or you remember, it's 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 a little bit like my Hawkeye recommendation, where like if you remember loving comic books and you think you're maybe a little bit smart and like you know a little bit of stuff, like you're gonna really enjoy it. Like if if you want Doctor Strange to be super serious and the Hulk to be super serious, and they are in it, like it may not be your cup of tea, but I think it's delightful and I highly recommend it. You know who I, they cast as Doctor Strange. I heard a rumor. I thought it was going to be Ron Swanson. <laughs> it's actually not. It's not Ron Swanson. It is a Benedict Cumberbatch who will be. My daughter can Dr. now Street. quote long strings of Ron Swanson quotes, and it's pretty goddamn funny. <laughs> I said I want all of the bacon and eggs. You might have heard me say I want a lot of bacon and eggs. I want you to bring me all of your bacon and eggs, <laughs> please and thank you. Benedict. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. I Benedict Cumberbatch. They, they were in talks with Joaquin Phoenix. Eh. Uh, but then this this is the latest update. And, uh, That's big news. That guy's awfully good. He would be a great, great actor to play that role. You think so? Think not Joaquin. Not Joaquin. No. I'm talking no, about, think about Ron Swanson. <laughs> well. Think about how great. I think, I don't know if it was R. Stevens or Moises or somebody I first heard this from, but somebody suggested how, how uh, uh, Nick Offerman is the gentleman's name would make such a great Doctor Strange. And like, just think about it for a second how great he could be as Doctor Strange. Thank you. Uh, and Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> is on the Sherlock Holmes show. Yes. And did he play Spock in the Star Trek movies? Who am I thinking of? Simon Pegg? Which, which, uh, oh, Benedict- no. No, you're thinking of uh, the Spock was. Um, That's the guy from uh, the OC. Siler, Heroes. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. I saw him walking in uh, in New in was it New York? New York. He was walking he around was New York. during Comic Con time period. This is Ben Benedict Cumberbatch. No, uh, Siler. Oh, Siler. That's that's the guy who played Simon Pegg in the Star Trek movie, right? Yeah. Am I thinking of Spaced with Nick Frost? What am I thinking of? Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. Action, comedy, adventure. Uh, yeah, you know, I think that could be good. Because I'm trying to think about, like, I haven't read a lot, a lot, a lot of Doctor Strange. I know him mostly from, like, crossover events. And I've read some primary, uh, you know, artifacts. But I, I like his character a lot. He's a, he's a, I would say, like, a level 15 magic user. 
15? All right, 99, whatever. I don't know. But he's, he's got to watch. He's got to protect his hands. He's like a surgeon. Actually, he was a surgeon. What am I saying? Was he was he a, a surgeon until his uh, hands were, uh, I think they were broken or something like that. And so, right, by, by the hoary the whores of Golgotha. <laughs> that's, that's the one. Is that what that was? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> H-O-A-R-Y. H-O-A-R-Y. Yeah. Yes. They're, they're wizened. <laughs> um, so that's good. I like uh, and and uh, so what? Doctor St- would be he, he would be in a built to purpose Doctor Strange movie, or he would be featured in in one of the innumerable other Marvel films. Just a Doctor Strange movie. What would it be? I think it would be a movie because it it says in the article that it would be a movie. It says Scott Derrickson is directing Doctor Strange, and John Spates is writing the script for the pick. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking this is a full on movie. He's a neurosurgeon who becomes Sorcerer Supreme, protecting Earth against magical and mystical threats with powers of sorcery, mysticism, and martial arts. Yeah. He, he mixes up some interesting stuff. He, he's, he is kind of a nuclear device though. They bring him in when stuff gets real. Well, because he essentially, he's one of those very, very tricky characters, <clears throat> excuse me, like Superman, who has what are essentially unlimited powers? He can kind of, he can mm. pretty much do anything, and that's very hard, I would imagine, to write for. You want there to be limitations of what they can do, and you know the Superman route was always well. Since he's super super powerful, we will make enemies that are super super powerful. So every time it was like, you know, it's not Superman doesn't have time to go and stop a bank robbery really anymore. He's got to save the universe every single time. Yeah. So it's, time management's an issue, <laughs> right? GTD, GTD. I like that flash show too. That's a big hit with all three of us in the house. Oh yeah, I haven't seen that yeah. one. My wife thinks it's kind of corny, but 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 I like it. I think it's really good. Um, uh, and so yes, and so they end up breaking his hands because he can't make those little fruity hand moves that he needs to to call on the horse of Golgotha. Yeah. And uh, um, he like like uh, like Scarlet Witch. You know, sometimes you got to call in the big guns. Oh, would you see the uh, trailer for the uh, for the film? I did see that. Oh man, her brother's in it too. I know. I think Josh, Josh Whedon's uh, Josh Josh Wheaton. I think he's pretty pretty miffed about them putting a Quicksilver in that uh, that C plus X Men movie. Yeah, yeah. I hope this is a better Quicksilver. I like that Quicksilver. He was all right, but he was he was more like a professional video game player or something. He didn't really read as. But I guess that was a 70s, so maybe it was Pong. Uh, is that racist? No. Okay. Uh, so, so Silver Surfer <clears throat> is a lot of fun. And uh, you can just go pick up one issue, see if you like it. It's, a, it's just, it's, you know, I, I, Dan Slott is such a, uh, a flexible character. Like, he, he does so many different kinds of things, I feel like. But it's always, there's humor, you know. There's always humor in his stuff. So Silver Surfer, trade paperback, what's it called? Uh, Don's First Gleaming or something like that. What's it called? Because uh, Don Greenwood is, uh, it's, you know, it's got a little bit of a Doctor Who vibe to it. Because mm-hmm. you've got Silver Surfer, who's this, like, not pretentious, but he's very cosmic, you know. Norrin Rad, he's a very cosmic kind of character. And then you got Don, who's very down to earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Silver Surfer, Volume 1, New Dawn. Uh, am I right? A New Dawn. Yeah. So that's important. Um, I got lots of other things here. Uh, Apocryphal, the superhero, we're done with that. Uh, integrated, oh, integrated messages, what Dan wants to circle back to, uh, article on drafting email, Dr. Drang on the history of computing, my thoughts on Google Inbox, uh, you were born in 1928. Is there uh, anything else you want to mention? No, I think you're hitting, uh, hitting that's all. That's pretty much everything. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I don't know if any of that grabs you. 
Did, did you want to tell me about something that you like? I would like to tell you about uh, a text expander touch three. Is that, that for computers? It's for computers. And this is one okay. of those things that you would do on your phone or, or your iOS device of any, any kind of iOS device. Like my, like, my, like my home phone? Your home phone, your home PC. Mm-hmm. Basically, this is the, the, the thing that people are really excited about because with iOS 8, you get custom keyboards. So Text Expander Touch 3 comes with a custom keyboard. So what this lets you do, this is, we've said it before, it's the holy grail. It lets you expand custom keyboard shortcuts into frequently used text snippets on your iPhone or iPad. So what this means is you can type more with less effort on these devices. You can even get the, your favorite snippets from your Mac, the ones you already have set up. You're using Text Expander on your Mac, boom. Mm. This is in any app for the first time ever in iOS. So you have these little abbreviations that you create to save time, you're, whether it's something very basic like your signature, it could be a default response that you want to send over text, it could be a default response you want to send over email, messages, it doesn't matter. And all of these snippets are going to sync with the OS X version or any other iOS devices. It can use it all right over Dropbox. And, and, it, and it really does work. It, it actually does, does really sync the first time you use it. It's bananas. And the one thing is there was a lot of talk when some of these keyboard extensions first came out about privacy issues and are they recording what I'm typing? Are they sending it back? Well, Smile has a whole uh, blog entry on this full access warning that you have to approve and they explain what they do and, and basically they respect your privacy. You don't have to worry about that stuff with them. But I was using it this morning. Um, we had, I had to send an email and uh, it was about something for my kid's school and I'm like, okay, I'm going to send it. And my wife's like, well, you know, I'll, I'll type it up later. I'm like, I'll, I'll type it up right now. You know, I have my phone here. She's like, yeah, but it's like a long email. You know, I said, well, no, because half the stuff we want to type is actually little snippets that I've come up with because I like to send email with my phone. My phone's always with me and typing the same thing over and over using, you know, all these little workarounds to do it. Now you don't have to do the workarounds. It's a keyboard. You tap it. It's, it's right there. So this is great. And you can go to smilesoftware.com slash B2W. That's B as in brothers, two is in the number W as in whiteboard. Hmm. See? Mm-hmm. To uh, to go and find out more about this and, and doing that, going there will will support the show. I've got, uh, this is peculiar to the OS X version, but there's a neat little dingus in the OS X app where I've looked at this maybe three times ever, but there's a statistics thing. You know, Smile is so confident about what Text Expander will do for you that they want to show you. So you get stuff like the little bloop sound when, when it's expanded, but I, I, there's statistics here. Um, text Expander saves you time and effort, colon. Uh, snippets expanded here on my on my office uh, PC. Seven thousand three hundred eighty-two snippets. Characters oh saved. Characters saved. Two hundred ninety thousand seven hundred eighty-nine hours saved. Nineteen point three nine hours. And I mean, you know, I don't even need to see that to know that. It's this is muscle memory for me. I mean, typing S D A T E and having that turn into a short date. I mean, my phone number. The stuff that I just. I use it all the time. I just I cannot recommend this app highly enough. And having it having it on your on your um, your mobile phone with the keyboard thing is just bananas. And it's got that little uh, happy icon. It is very happy. The little smile, happy. Logo. Where, do, where do people go? Where do people go to find out more, Dan? Smallsoftware.com slash b two w. That's the special URL that supports this show and shows you all the stuff. Or you can just search for text expander, which is one word. I think two words will find it. In, uh, in the App Store uh, or iTunes Store, wherever they want to go to look for it. Is it still in the iTunes Store? No. 
Okay. Our thanks to uh, Small Software <laughs> for supporting uh, 5 by 5 and Back to Work. Um, so that's good. <clears throat> Boy, that's a hell of an app. I don't know what I'd do without that. Speaking of which, um, this is, uh, forgive me, it's nominally uh, productive. Um, I put this in show notes, uh, a, an article from Gabe Weatherhead on his Mac Drifter site called Email Drafts the Hard Way. And, you know, this is just one of those things that probably a lot of people kind of know about or kind of think about, but I think you should probably know about it more and think about it more. And it's essentially, <laughs> there's, if there's one piece of advice to take away from this very good blog post, it, it's, it's the simplest thing. I, I do this. It is so smart. Whenever you, if, if you're in your email app and you're creating a new message to somebody, at the very least, what is the last thing you should ever do before hitting send? Well, I mean, there's lots of stuff you should do. You should make sure it's what you meant to say, that it conveys the message, that it's got a great subject line. The very last thing before you hit send, enter the recipient address. This is such a great trick. Because, I mean, how many times, especially on my phone, you know, I, I go in and, of course, the top field is the two line. And so I'm inclined to think, oh, I should go put in the name of who this is too. But like you can, how many times have you accidentally sent an email that you weren't done with or something? It's the worst. But so, I mean, I think that's a great, he says it right here. I learned a hard lesson early in my adventures of writing words on a computer screen. The last thing you write is the recipient address. But there's a lot more to it than that. And I mention it because he talks about something that I try to do uh, cause it makes me less stupid, which is if I, if I'm responding to an email, yeah, I'll probably just, you know, mesh on the keyboard inside the email app. But I have to, if I have to write any email of any consequence or importance, it always starts in another app. So for me, that's NVALT or TextMate. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you do this, really. Um, NVALT or Text, or uh, TextMate on my Mac on iOS. I'm still a big user of, um, uh, drafts. Drafts, yeah. Have you and, tried to scratch? No, I saw that on your screen. Uh, I, I have Scratch. I play with it. I just drafts. You know, I've got some good work <laughs> workflows in drafts. And one of those workflows is that, you know, I type something, and it takes whatever the top line of the file is. So I type something, deedly, deedly, d, and I add a new thing at the top that says, you know, note to Dan. And it can be an incredibly generic uh, little string of text, because why? Because when I say, um, save this to my Dropbox text files folder, it automatically um, appends like a, a version of a Unix date. So it has a date stamp after whatever I typed. So I can very easily see the important part of the note, and then I know that it's literally unique in, uh, in my folder. Mm-hmm. So then I'll go, sometimes I'll, I'll start something, type something up in drafts, whether that's a toot or an email or whatever. And if I have to do more with it, then I'll go to editorial because editorials, you know, it's, wow, what do you say about editorial? It, it does it all, you know? Do you, do you use editorial? Uh, only based on your recommendation in, in the past. I think edi- for for people who don't know uh, what editorial is, uh, if they missed that episode... Um, uh, you, you want a little short yeah, explanation? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, just a real, real quickly. So well, Drafts is... I mean, Drafts to me is like a no-brainer home screen app for iOS. And there are others like it. Um, I, I just, I happen to really like drafts a lot. So drafts, you open it up and it's one of them, it seems incredibly perplexing at first because you open it up and it's just a little field where you can type. Like, why would I need that? Why don't I just use the notes app? Well, you type whatever you want to type, but then there's all kinds of actions that you can run on whatever you just typed that include things like uh, post this as a draft email, you know, open my email app and, you know, make, make a new email out of this. It could be add this as an, as an event to my calendar. It could be parse this in Fantastical. And because um, there's just so much Disney magic under the hood using stuff like the callback rolls and stuff, there's just crazy stuff you can do, like make a list of stuff and send it to the do reminder app, mm-hmm. and it will create a, a workflow with multiple items. It's, you know, send it to OmniFocus, whatever. But I find that a very fast way to type 
it, it can all sync up through iCloud very easily if you want to keep your little snippets. Personally, I, I would keep my drafts snippets in a separate area from my actual according to Hoyle text files. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I, I, I'd keep those separate. But anyway, uh, but then what I do a lot of, I just want to type something really fast. I get in there, I type it. And the nice thing is you can even have it set to automatically create a new document. Um, like if you go away and come back, I have it create a new document. If you go away and come back after, a, in you know, more than a minute, create a new document. Uh, um, document. I have mine set to five minutes. So I can go do stuff, click around, do stuff. And, uh, and even if it's gone away, you still have it all like on your phone. You can still go back to any snippet you started. But it's great for just like ephemeral bits of information, things you want to you know, write down a, uh, a phone number without having to open the contacts app, etc. But then like I say, I mean, one that I use a lot is when I'm done typing the basics of something in drafts, I just call up the little action that saves that to Dropbox. I hop over to my editorial app and now editorial uh, has access to it because it's all synced up. And editorial is just, wow, it's just so tricked out. It's got like the power of Python under the hood. You can do, you know, a lot of the same kind of stuff you would do in drafts, but even more stuff. It's got, uh, gosh, where do you begin with editorial? You can, it's, 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 got a, it's got a fantastic like kind of built-in markdown editor. You can preview right inside of the doc, doc, uh, document just by like... Um, Swiping. See, that was what uh, really appealed to me about it is the built-in, and I think they, they kind of talk about that more than they talk about some of the other stuff they, that you're describing. But being able to, if you write in Markdown, which I guess you should, uh, this is huge, being able to just type and then swipe and see it. Like, that's the coolest yeah. part. Well, Federico Vitici has written a ton of stuff about editorial. I mean, it's <clears throat> if you haven't looked at iOS text editors, pardon me, I muted there like a gentleman. Uh, if you haven't looked at iOS text editors in a while, um, you know, there have been many, many great ones over the years. I really like Nebulous Notes. Um, I, I really liked a whole bunch of them. I like Simple Note at one point, Vespers out there. But with this one, um, it's you, you might be amazed how much stuff you can do inside of this app. And when you sli- swipe right to left, you also now have the option of stuff like you can go, it's got its own built-in um, web uh, what do you call it, web view. So if you want to go and Google stuff inside of editorial, like why would you want to do that? Well, because then you can also do stuff like say copy this information and paste it into the document that I'm currently working on. Another great one, oh my gosh, for iOS 8. Back to drafts for a second. Um, drafts has a, an extension that's amazing. Uh, where if you're on a Safari page, it has a, you can have a template for how it copies certain information. So if you're on a Safari page, you can call up, drafts via the extension and it'll basically create um however you've templated it you could basically make a link with the title quoted text any of that stuff it'll automatically copy that into a drafts document for you so to me that's even more powerful than a than a standard clipboard editor i like i like that clip app a lot but drafts is even more useful for me but anyhow uh editorial is uh just mind-blowing. A lot of people like ByWord. I like ByWord a lot. It's just that editorial, the kind of stuff I do is very functional writing when I'm on my phone. And the the help that I'm looking for on my phone is to not have to do multiple copies and pastes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And with a combination of drafts and editorial and, to be honest, Text Expander, which these all support, uh, you can you, you get to where it's it's not the same as being on your Mac, but it's 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 a level of functionality an efficiency that you would never have imagined when iOS came out or even was out for a couple of years. It's come so far. And the extension stuff is really obviously extending it even further. So your mileage may vary. But I, but I like what Gabe says about this, though. I think it's really smart because if you, if you think about 
if you're inside, this is maybe a very, very minor cognitive distinction. But to me, like when I'm inside the email app, I'm thinking about email, derp, derp, derp. I got to go around and do email stuff. Whereas if I, even if I'm writing a one paragraph email, I'm going to be much more thoughtful and careful inside of an app, like where I can do more functional stuff, like pull up links and things like that. Doing all of that inside of drafts or editorial is a great way to draft your emails. You're going to make something a lot more, even if it is fairly ephemeral, it's a comment on a site, it's something I'm posting for Tumblr. Doing all that inside of a text editor on iOS to me is much more efficient than just sitting in a text area like an animal. <laughs> so that's a, that's a good... Uh, like an so you'll go, you'll use this the text editor, you'll compose the email, and then you will put it into your email app or browser or whatever, and then you'll paste that, and then you will hit, type in, then you'll type in the person's name and send it like that. Yeah, and and if you, once you get good at that and you start trusting yourself, you can do even more. Or for example, you can have an editorial workflow where you type, and that's actually, I think, what it's called. You, um, you, so for example, you can type a, a big email and then have the, type the first line of it and say, uh, update on the Henderson report. And it'll automate, so then you can hit a button to send that to your mail app. And it'll know that the, always use the first line of this as the subject line of the email. So you can even do that. It'll take care of that for you. So yeah, I don't know, you might even be able to do it. I know you can have one-offs to text or message, text or email individual people. You can do that as well. You can even have a dial from inside of these apps. It's, it's great because I mean, like to me, like that becomes, I don't know, you think about a dashboard. What is a dashboard? A dashboard is a way for me to quickly and efficiently get updates on information without having to go to a lot of places. This is almost like the opposite of a dashboard. This is a content creation dashboard because almost any kind of non-graphical thing you want to make, you can make inside of these apps like drafts and editorial and then send it to wherever. And what's the final cognitive thing? And I, I, I don't think Gabe says this per se, but you know, if you think about this, right now you go, oh, I have to contact somebody, so I'll text them. So you go to your message app and you start typing a message. You go, well, or better still, like let's say I'm, this is going to be a DM. So you start typing it in TweetBot or whatever. You go, oh, this is going to be too long. This really should be a text message. So what do you do? You jump over your text messaging app, copy and paste, right? And you go, oh, you know what? This is actually, this should probably be an email. Well, the beauty part mm -hmm. is, if you do that in drafts or editorial, you don't have to worry about how you're going to send it until you're done. And then you don't have to worry about it at all because you've got workflows that send it right there. You don't have to be, you know, double-clicking your home button to jump around. All that stuff comes from this one place. So I think there's something, a very core productivity principle in place here, which is in the same way that you only want to have one inbox in your life, this lets you have one sort of easel where you create whatever and then send it to wherever. It's just that you have the most tricked out tools available to make sure that you're making the thing you want to make. <clears throat> Silver Surfer. So that was a good article. Well, let's talk about integrated messages in a minute. You know, I don't have that much to say about Google Inbox. I, I Are you I, on it? Are you in, in allowed in? Were you allowed in? Yeah, I, um, it's... I don't know. I guess it's kind of what I expected, but I don't, man, I would not see that replacing Gmail for me anytime soon. It's, you know, it's very similar to that sort of card interface that you get, you know, with yeah. Google Now. Cards are the new thing, apparently. Uh, everything is about a card now. Well, and that works for a lot of stuff. It's just that what, maybe I'm, I'm probably just missing something or haven't spent enough time with it, but it seems like the problem this is meant to solve uh, is not that big of a problem for me. I mean, it's, you know, it's neat to be able to say like, you know, it's neat when Google, uh, Google Now or whatever you want to call it, when it can do stuff like know, 
oh, here's a site you've been to before that's updated. Here's a movie you search for, and that's now available to buy. And that, that's kind of cool, knowing the weather for where you are, the weather for your destination. That's all actually really the useful kind of stuff that makes us suffer Google, is they're smart about that stuff. It's just that, you know, I, I guess maybe I'm old-fashioned or something, but I mean, I already have like TripIt monitoring my email for travel stuff. It'll automatically gobble up um, trip information there, and I'd rather have that in TripIt personally. And, you know, and it, it's, I guess the heart of it is for me, I feel like most, most of the ways people are trying to, um, most people, the way we're trying to attack the quote-unquote email problem, most of the apps want to simplify things for you, which is an incredibly sensible and reasonable and smart thing to want. But how do you simplify email? Well, there's some kinds of things that are pretty easy to simplify through, you know, canny searches and regular expressions or their siblings, you can find a lot of things like, oh, here's a UPS package number. Like that automatically gets added to my deliveries app. Like it knows to monitors that and knows to add that. I think that's great. But, you know, the, 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 the way people try to attack this, to simplify this, ends up being mostly about kind of hiding email or filtering email. So on the one hand, you like heavily filter it and put it into these groups. Well, that's not personally how I think. I don't really think about, let me go look at all of my updates section in Google Inbox right now. That's kind of not how my brain works. And so you end up, if it's clustering, as they call it, in the inbox, then you've got a whole bunch of stuff hidden under this one card. That I personally am not finding that super useful, and actually it's, it's a little bit confusing. And then the thing that I do do, the other approach, is to sort of like get it out of my way if I can't do anything now. And I do a lot of that with Mailbox on um, uh, iOS and the beta for the desktop. But I don't think either of those is really the answer. It's a, it's a short... It's a short-term thing where it helps you feel more sane in the basic kind of inbox zero idea of like, I don't want to be in my inbox all the time. So for me, like, I still have this crazy Rube Goldberg machine where like, a Wayfind lets me know if certain people have emailed me, so I don't have to always be monitoring for that. Uh, you know, I use a way, I use a way, uh, a way, Wayfind? Is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah. I use that. I'm on their homepage. I should know. But I use that inside Gmail a lot to say, like, monitor email from this person or with this subject line or what have you. But, you know, the trouble for me is that it's kind of back to a core David Allen principle in getting things done, which is that, you know, you still have to process all of that. You, you still, if you don't, there's, there's not that much intelligence out there to make those decisions for you. And as we learned with spam management in the imperfect days, it was, you can't, you don't really want to hand over your judgment to a robot just yet. You still kind of got to look at it all. So anyway, I encourage people to look at it because Google Inbox is, I think, going to be a good answer for some people. Um, it's just that for me, I'm kind of, I'm not completely getting it. I don't know. I haven't, I wasn't invited into it yet, so I haven't seen it, but... It's Dan, Dan, you write them an email and the next day they send you a quote-unquote invite. I did, they never sent me one. <sighs> I went That's, to the site. It says request and invite. It clicks up a thing. I sent them an email. I told them, yeah. uh, hi, I'm, I'm Dan. I do this Did you thing. send another one? Do you really want it? No, not after I, your I mean, review. I, all right, here, let me, I'm going, I'm clicking. No, I don't want, I don't want a review. That's I, good, I, I'm good. I, I, that sounded performative. <clears throat> Rock also, somebody, somebody, somebody wants me to get you a blue check mark on Twitter, apparently, because I can do that, I guess. Right, yeah, you're all hooked up. You can, I think they do that to prevent the, like... If, if you have people who are pretending to be you, and then you can request it. I don't know. Journalist. I'm already pretending to be me. I don't need to help. <laughs> I know. You're the, you used to be Merlin Man. And yeah. I, I guess they got canonic con- Merlin Man. 
I still mm. find that I'm just using the regular old uh, mail app on the Mac and mail on iOS. I'm, I've tried all of the other ones, uh, pretty much every single one that except, you know, the Google inbox since I wasn't invited, but all of the other ones. And they're, you know, like I, I don't like using Gmail in the browser. I know I'm missing out. I should be using it. I think it would help you should, me. You should, Dan, you should use what works for you. There's, there's nothing to apologize for. Well, what I'm using doesn't really work. It's, it's a mess. Yeah. But I, I in, in, in the new iOS, I'm not sure if this happened in iOS 7, 8, or 8.1. It's so hard to keep track. But you can now do sort of a long uh, left swipe over an email, and it will auto-archive it for you in the list in, in mail app on or in mobile mail or whatever they call it, Apple mail on the iOS device. That's cool. Yeah, that, I, yeah I love that. So you don't, I love you that. know you want to delete it. You don't have to do a short swipe and then tap delete. You just, and it's gone. Love it. That's cool. Best thing in the whole world. Changed my whole game. So you're on Yosemite everywhere? Uh, I have Yosemite on all of our non-production machines. So I've got it on the iMac and I've got it on my little 11-inch Air. And I, you know, I decided I would try messages again. I thought maybe. Yeah, we should, we should talk about that. I, um, do yeah, you I use like to, that? Do you, are you doing the thing where, so for people who don't know about this, I think everybody but me has been doing this all along. I start, I was very excited about this feature that you could have actual messages working across all of your devices. So the same little text messaging, SMS messaging app that you would have on your phone, you could also have on your iPad and all of your Macs. And it would all work so that if somebody sent you a message, every single device in the whole world would beep at the same time. Yeah, I've been doing that for a couple of years. I had the biggest problem with this for a while. So I stopped. I stopped using it. And now I'm back to using it again. And so far, it's, uh, it's, been, it's been much better than the last time that I had an experience with it. Uh, nothing has been missed. And that's good. And at the start of the show, my mom sent me this. And usually I don't look at my phone but because I have a computer here for links and stuff, um, there's a picture, uh, which I'm happy to, to share and put into the show notes if you want, uh, that shows a small black uh, shape on a sidewalk. And she says, did you ever have a monster spider at your house? There's one outside my door. Is this about messages? Yeah, this is in the messages. So, but what was interesting is, you know, you see, you see all of this here, and it, and meanwhile, though, it's still going off on all of my other devices, even though it's right here. It becomes, you know, it becomes a problem, and this has made me think about. See, I have a point here. Yeah, uh, we've talked about the way that you use email in, you know, that that you don't want your. It's so easy to let your email run your life, especially when you leave the application running all the time, right? If the application is running, you will frequently go back over to command tap bag over to it and look at it and say, oh, someone just wrote me an email. I'm going to send them a quick reply. And oh, well, they asked for these two things. So I'll go look those two things up. And all you're doing all day is serving your email. And then you'll, I know other people who say, well, I read email three times a day. I will read it, you know, and I'll, I'll time box it and I'll read it for an hour in the morning or half an hour in the morning, half an hour after lunch. And then before the end of the day until it's time for me to leave and they, and if an email comes in, bef- you know, after that time, they don't get it. They don't get it until the next day. And those people lead really great structured lives. And I wish I could do that. But we've talked about the addictiveness of Twitter. We've talked about the intrusiveness of email. But now here's another thing that I realized because this picture of the spider came up while we were doing a show on my computer. And that 
ever since I reconnected that uh, and had that show up, it's not like regular messaging client where you can put do not disturb on your, you know, your aim account or something. And sometimes people will respect that. Uh, instead, this is sort of an always on uh, additional way for people to potentially interrupt and distract you. And, and, you know, when I do a show, I, if, if I even bring my phone in, I will put it on silent and put it in a pocket or face down on the desk so that I'm intentionally not bothered by it during the show. But, you know, with this running, yeah, I understand that I can quit messages, but you know what? Even when you quit messages, the little one, two, three, uh, will appear on the icon in your dock. And it just, it made me start to really think about by doing that, by enabling that, uh, we're actually creating another pathway for distraction and interruption among mm. all of these other things that we have. I mean, telling people, oh, you know what, quit TweetBot and, st- and just don't look at it. People want to look at TweetBot. They want to jump into those conversations. They feel like they'll miss something if 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 they don't do it. It's very easy for me to say, you know, I'm not really going to browse the web. I can very easily say I'll, I'll browse for 30 minutes uh, after, you know, I get into work while I'm drinking coffee or something like that's easy to do. And I don't really think about it throughout the day. I don't find myself just browsing around during the day, but checking email, I feel like I do it way too much. Looking at Twitter, I feel like I do it way too much. And now here's another pathway, another pipeline for people to essentially connect with and or interrupt and or distract me from, from something important that you've been doing it for years. Do do you find that? Um, I, I mean, I, I, I support what you're talking about. I mean, I support anything. If you start to realize that something is becoming uh, a distraction, an unwelcome distraction, and you can live without it, I would applaud anybody who wants to move that stuff out of their way. And I think it's a really good idea. You know, I think a lot of our feeling of fake busyness is deliberately turning on all of these notifications when somebody, you know, stars our life, you know, and uh, or sends us an email about anything. So yeah, I mean, I, I support that. I, I have to say, I think messaging is different because I just don't get that many text messages from people. And if I do, it's going to be somebody I probably want to get it from. Um, like it's, you know, like I leave, uh, I leave that app open because, you know, what if my wife messages me or something, but I don't find it that distracting. I do find it distracting. Like I just got a DM from somebody on Twitter and you could probably hear me go, like sometimes I do find that (laughs) distracting because there's like a link I've got to look at. But um, yeah, I I don't know. I I can see why you would leave it off. Well, see, I have a a different situation than you in that, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, I've either communicated with over messages on the phone or whatever for, for years. When they send me a message, they're not sending it to me with the intent of bothering me. But I get lots of text messages, essentially. And, and a lot of the people that we work with communicate that way. A lot of people that are friends or family will communicate that way. All of a sudden, now I'm in some group chat where I'm seeing pictures of somebody else's children coming in. You know, and this happens all day throughout the day, all the time. You were, you were smart in that you probably only gave very specific people your number. And only they only are the only ones who have a, a way to get to you like that. And I don't know. You know I wish I'd been smart like that. Uh, it's too late. So but, I don't. But you're, but you're saying essentially what you're saying, though, is you wish there were a do not disturb. Or I wish a, there was something. Yeah. And I get, you know, I could definitely turn off the sound on my phone and I see that I could quit the app and it becomes less intrusive. But it's like every single thing. I loved your comment a minute ago about starring your life. I know someone 
who has uh, Instagram notifications turned on anytime oh, someone likes – Yeah, anytime someone likes their photo, they get an audible and visual notification. Their phone will turn on. It will come across the little screen on you know notification center and their response – is to then swipe it and go and look and see who who was that person? Who was the random stranger who just liked that photo that I took of my cat? You know, I want to know who that person is, even though typically it doesn't really lead to anything except maybe they'll sort of then look at that person's photo and maybe find one that they like of that person and that'll prompt. You know, I guess that's the genesis of a functional social network. But to me, that just seems... Crazy. Do you think that's because at some point, like, I don't know who follows or unfollows me on Twitter. I long ago turned off the the email, but I still, I know people who I guess have a, a you know, a few a dozen followers. They really want to know when someone follows them or does or unfollows them, uh, you know, and they, they take it personally if someone follows and then <laughs> unfollows them on, on a Twitter network yeah. or something, you know, I mean, that all of these things are interruptive. And if you think about the silence of the lambs, for example, that people would sit, Oh, what was this movie? Um, as a great baseball movie, I was just watching with, uh, well, I, I don't know if I want to say great. It was a good baseball movie with Harrison uh, Ford in it. And it was, uh, anyway, Jackie Robinson. Yeah. They show a guy He's a, a sports writer. He's writing about these games, and he's sitting on the bleachers with a typewriter as if he is sort of writing about the game on a typewriter. I would have imagined he would have just taken notes and transcribed it later as opposed to bringing a typewriter to the game to sit on his lap while he's watching. But you think about these tools that the great writers in the, in the world, some of the best writers ever of all time, they wrote things with a pen or a pencil or a quill or a typewriter. And, you know, you see these sets of uh, a madman and you're reminded how much work can actually get done with no computers involved. You know, not probably in our field, not in my field, but, you know, the idea of all of these services, of all these gateways into your life that eventually become a very addictive distractions. Addictive. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I I do. I'm trying to figure out which part of the suitcase you want me to grab. I, I mean, don't I, any. I, I, I need, I, well, I need I, help, man. I mean, there's two, at least two, very different things here. I mean, we could talk about like the problems of, you know, pairing. You know, the challenge of pairing down the number of ways that you let people have your attention. Um, and then we could talk about the problem of, you know, a different thing. I guess, I guess what I'm getting at is this, like, I, I don't disagree about anything that you're saying. I think the idea of mindfully, um, addressing and then adapting to the ways the world can get to you is something everybody kind of has to do. It's a big part of our, our job now is we don't, it isn't, it isn't like 1993 where I was just always, I, I was excited to have the opportunity to check my email. It was a really, oh, yeah. it was a big deal to get in there a couple of times a day to dial up and actually go get all my email and read it. Um, but, you know, obviously now today, the expectation is that you should be available to people. We could talk about that angle. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, sound like such an old guy, but I'm kind of perplexed by anybody who would find all, have all that stuff turned on and then complain that it's distracting. That's, you know, kind of like 
trying to stay on your diet while you're sitting outside the pie shop. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't make a ton of sense. But you, I hear it all the time. I mean, I'm guilty of it too, of saying, oh man, you know, like I'm, I've got Twitter under control. I don't sit there and, and, and read it and get distracted by it. I've mastered the not letting the email thing run my life anymore. But you know, here's, here's just another opportunity for that. And I think I, I would challenge people to try to close all those apps down and turn those things off and focus on just the one thing. You know, Clarice walks into uh, someone's house and says, can I borrow your phone? Well, there's, right. you know, where is, where is she? We don't know where this person is. They are unreachable, you know, <laughs> unless she can borrow someone's phone to use it. What a foreign concept in, in our But then, But day. then think about what happens when Carrie doesn't pick up the phone. Right. When Quinn keeps calling her. Because right. the expectation is like some serious stuff goes down while she's, um, let's say, not checking her phone. And that disrupts the whole project because the expectation is that she's always going to be there. That's her job. So, you know, it depends a lot on on what your job is or what you perceive your job to be. I mean, you know, like, I don't know. I, just, I feel like there's a lot of angles to this, but it's, I, 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 I wouldn't, I, I don't want to sound critical, but I guess I don't, I don't understand having the thing on where you would like, I've got, what do I have turned on in TweetBot? Um, I get the bloop. If somebody, I think I have it set to where if somebody I follow responds, mm-hmm. I get a bloop, but I don't have a notification on my phone. Like, oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Ooh, I, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I have a real fatigue about notifications because I, I, I'm not perfect at this, but I'm, I'm pretty slavish about only setting notifications from stuff that I can't afford to miss. Because I, you know, if you get, if you, if you get to your, let's say you've been away. For, from your phone for a few minutes and you pick it up and there's more than one scrolling screen of notifications, like something better have blown up <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so, I mean, I do have stuff like, okay, dark sky will let me know if it's starting to drizzle outside. Like, cause I, mostly because I think that's cool and it doesn't happen that often in San Francisco. Um, but stuff like social media stuff, I mean, again, I am truly an old, old man. I don't use Instagram. I don't use Facebook. I do use uh, Twitter a lot. And I'll, you know, if I'm in a, an ego surfing mode or I'm in a heavy engagement mode, then that, that's dep- that changes how I use the app. Like it wouldn't have any effect at all on, you know, what I'm doing when I'm not using the app. You know, I might be in the native app or in TweetBot, depending on what I want to do. But I mean, you go, to, you go to the Twitter app and you open it and it shows you all the icons of people who followed you. You know, it's like it's all there if yeah. you want to see it. I don't need to be like informed about that. Um, but I don't know. I, it, it depends on what you, what you need. I think, um, I don't know. I guess in terms of like stuff you can do about it, there's so many levels to try and address it at. I mean, the most basic level always comes back to you. You're, you are the, you know, when, when I go and talk to companies about stuff, I always, I, this is partly trying to be useful and partly trying to inoculate myself. But when I talk to somebody about coming and doing a visit with them, I always make a point of saying something. that I was like, here's something I'm going to end up saying in the talk and I want to say it to you right now. Which is that, there's this, you think about your world in concentric circles, right? Think about the little you, this little dot in the middle of the universe that's you. And you have a certain amount, whether you like it or not, you have a certain amount of control over what you decide to see, how you decide to see it, um, what you decide to think as a result of that, 
and as I like to say, then how, how your cognition and your actions in turn change as a result of that. That's all on you, whether you like it or not. There are certain things that you choose to do. Unless there is someone who's literally holding a gun to your head, you are choosing everything you do in a given day. Probably kind of poorly because you have an implicit gun at your head that's not actually there. Hmm. Whatever. We can argue about that all day. But the, it helps to understand that, first of all, there is stuff that you can do. There's stuff you can change about how you decide to let the world get to you. may not be perfect, but you have to make all those decisions or they will, in fact, be made for you. Next level out. You've got people like your family, let's say. People where, you know, you have interest and influence and where you want to know what's going on. And I say influence because you might be able to, like, make things better in how you interact with them. Certainly, you've got a a circle further out, which is like your team of people at work, right? People that you interact with on a regular basis. Further out from that, next concentric circle, you've got maybe whatever, your business unit, the floor of the building, whatever's whoever's in your office that you interact with, and so on and so forth, further and further out. And each one of those concentric circles that you move further out from that little dot that is you, you have less and less of anything resembling control over all of those things that you do have control over for yourself. You cannot decide how other people have expectations about you. You cannot decide how other people decide to contact you. What's most convenient for them right this freaking second? You don't have control over any of that stuff. And you have absolutely zero influence, especially the further you go out, over like people's values and how they see the world. And so what I'll say to that person on the phone is understand that I cannot change. I can't even change you. (laughs) <laughs> when I come out there and you give me a little dough and fly me on a plane and I come there and I talk, like I, there's a very good chance that one or two people in the room will like something that I say or will see something. There's a good chance that I will have absolutely zero influence. There's very little that will like quantify how much I helped your company because at the end of the day, it still comes down to every single little dot. And no matter how much control you want to have over all of those levels, it still ultimately comes down to you. So if you don't have an influence over the world, that really still comes back to how you do stuff. And I, I think that that's, that is a, an, a super obvious point that we need to remember a couple times a day. Because, you know, on the one hand, it helps regulate things like, well, maybe Carrie should have had a ringer on. Maybe she shouldn't use her phone to record that conversation. Maybe she should have used a dedicated recorder. It, it'll govern things like what kind of notifications you have. But you also then, like you have to accept that you'll, you'll never please everybody. And that in order to live a life that you can live with, you're going to have to make some weird and difficult and awkward decisions that a lot of people aren't going to understand. But it's really important that you understand them for now, for today. When you decide what's allowed to be on and beeping in your life, you're allowed to make that decision every day. If you're not making that decision every day, you don't really have anything to complain about. You've turned your life over to Skynet at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really, it comes down to you. And if you're getting something, like in your case, if you're getting like a ton of texts from people that maybe should have been an email, well, that's that's an opportunity for you to say, you know, I love talking to you, but could, if, could you, if it's not time sensitive, could you email me? Like, you know, and, and you still, you still kind of sound like a jerk when you do that. But, you know, like I say, every email, every message, it's a pebble that somebody has to carry. You don't know how many pebbles that person already has. People don't know if they're like contacting contacting me like while I'm recording the show and I can't really type a sane answer to them. There's no answer to that uh, apart from just learning to tolerate what you have to tolerate to get your stuff done. So we could talk more about like tactical stuff about how to do that. But I think it's so important to remember that just that, that you are that little dot. Like that is the entire that is the entire range of control you have over the rest of the world. And I find that harrowing and comforting because it helps me to understand that like while I am a hot mess at this stuff, like everybody else is too. They just mm-hmm. haven't realized it yet. <laughs> You're right. We could talk about some uh, some tips and tricks stuff. We haven't done that in a while. I would love that. 
Yeah. Anything else you want to tell me about that you like? Yeah, I would like to tell you about Verona State anywhere. These guys, Veronis, are um, are really cool, and I'm, I'm glad that they're sticking around. Uh, I, you know, everyone can go and try this stuff out. I'll tell you the URL in a second, but basically. If you have a company, if you have a network, if you have a, a several computer systems and you have people who you want to give access to, obviously, if you want to get into that sort of space of sharing the data, the way that a lot of people would do it is they would use a great service like Dropbox, but then they're going to upload all of their own stuff to Dropbox. Now they're sharing stuff on Dropbox among their local area network and then out to the wide area network where they've got people who are, you know, salespeople or people who work from home, telecommuters, people who are in the office three days a week, whatever. Now all of your data, all of your files are on somebody else's back end. They're on somebody else's infrastructure. Well, that maybe isn't always the best situation. Maybe your data is secure. You want it to be secure. You want it to be private. You want to control who has access. You want to trust your own infrastructure, your own equipment. It's a great idea. And uh, Veronis has made this possible. With their stuff, you keep your data on your existing file servers or your own NAS. You keep your existing permissions. You can monitor and control access to all the files. You can create your own rules that allow you to control this access. And you can even like remotely wipe devices with their stuff. It syncs with Windows, Mac, uh, iOS, Android, and it installs in like 30 minutes. So you're basically keeping your own company's servers all secured, all backed up, all reliable. And you don't have to change anything. You don't have to upload terabytes of stuff to someone else's infrastructure. So go check this out. Where you go is veronis.com slash back to work. And I'll spell that for you. It's V-A-R-O-N-I-S, veronis.com slash back to work. And if you go to that special URL, you will get uh, Data Anywhere free for 30 days with an unlimited amount of users. And as a special bonus just for uh, back to work Merlin Mann listeners, mm. and you go to veronis.com slash back to work, you will get five users free forever. So thank you very much to Veronis for supporting 5x5 five five and back to work with Merlin Mann. Buffalo Bill. Hmm? Yeah. <clears throat> Sounds like a neat service. Um, Where are we here? About an hour. Okay. Um, which direction do you want to go? I, I, did, I, I didn't really answer your question. Well, I mean, you so, kind of so did. Your challenge, your challenge is you like, like I, well, the I, thing is, you, you, here's the thing about you, Dan, yeah. whom I love. You send a lot of text messages too. Sorry. No, 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 no. So it's like, I kind of can't imagine you doing that. I guess you do that on iOS, but like, I can't keep up with you if I'm not on a Mac. And no, it's, it's always like, been iOS until the last week. That's crazy. How do you do that? I, I type fast. Yeah. I, uh, you can tell sometimes when... In my, for example, when I'm on my Mac using messages and somebody else is not, and I definitely feel it when it's the other way too. Mm. Somebody's had a few drinks and they want to, want to send you some <laughs> some uh, some messages. Right. Not you, other people. But you get um, you start getting this these tons of very long messages, and you're like, I'm trying to help a child throw up. I can't do this now. <laughs> that's what gets me a lot. Is that, or that's what bites me a lot. Is that like, I, I feel like sometimes I don't even have time to say why it is that I can't get back to this right now. And that's when I feel really crummy. You know, I, I feel like I don't know. It's it's I'm so bad at so much stuff in life and with parenting stuff that even like taking the time to say like, okay, I'm going to stop reading you this book so that I can type to someone to explain that I'm reading you a book right now. 
And, you know, that sounds really silly and like, who cares? But like, you know, I don't even want to be looking at that phone, but that person's going to think, hey, wait, it's three o'clock. Why aren't you responding to me? And it's like, well, because I'm doing this thing over here. You can't see what I'm doing. And I like that. Like, <laughs> I'm over here having this little part of my life right now. And I want to get back to the part of the life with you. But, it, and, and that, again, goes back to the old classic email problem, which is like when, you, when you're really getting slammed with email, and even if it's great email, it's sometimes very difficult to even have time to explain to people like why you're not getting back to them. And then you go down these, these, these horrible productivity anti-patterns, like going through all of your messages and individually sending responses to everyone to say that you can't respond right now. You know, so I don't know. I mean, I think there's, there's, again, if we get back to this idea of each one of us being the little dot, um, I, I, there are, there are things you can talk about about making things better in a family or a team. And that's ironically enough, that that's the problem that gets presented to me a lot. The, the like fix my people challenge is somebody with, with, uh, with a good heart and a good idea says, Hey, you know, I, I, I like back to work, you know? I used to read that website, you used to update, and I put a lot of this stuff in place. Why can't everybody do that, fix these people? And like I say, it starts with a good heart, but that person is kind of sometimes like a a very good-hearted advanced beginner at understanding other human beings and understanding their motivations and needs, right? And, And the more we think we understand about how stuff works, sometimes the less sympathetic we are to how somebody else might be having a bad day or a weird day, or maybe their phone died. Or, or maybe whatever. And there's never, there's never enough time in the day to explain the, to the entire world why you didn't do something. So I used to say for a long time when I was working on the Inbox Zero book and thinking about this a lot, I used to, you've heard me say this dozens of times that when most of us check email in the morning in order to find out who the world expects us <laughs> to be today. Right? You, you, if, you could, if you could go and do your work without looking at email, maybe you would, but you kind of can't. Because before you can get to the stuff that you know you have to do or the stuff you know is important, you got to find out if something importanter came in. Or you got to find out that uh, there's something that somebody expects of you you didn't know about. And now today, you'll hear me say almost as often now, I wake up every morning and check my email to find out who I didn't realize I was disappointing. <laughs> Basically, email is an efficient disappointment delivery mechanism where you find out, you know, and then of course you got the next level is, like I say, you don't even know who you're disappointing right now. There's no way to find out. You may not find out for weeks that there's somebody who misunderstood something or you misunderstood something and like they needed this thing uh, back really quickly. Roderick told me something off air yesterday about, he he got a Facebook message to say that somebody had given a gift to an acquaintance of John's, could John contact that person to let them know how to pick up the gift? <laughs> and it's like, you know, woe betide me in the world where I get five of those every day. Because I don't even know how to begin unwrapping those bananas. Like, wh- what? You want me to what? And then you want me to tell them, like, how to use this gift? And what? And no, no, like, I, I can't do that, you know? So, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I end, end up in this kind of bleak existential hole where I, I end up going like, if you understand how horrible everything is, you might actually become more positive about it. Your problem, if you think you can do this with filters and flags, you still have hope. You have not realized how impossible this problem is. And so you're like buying fancier and fancier teaspoons to try and empty the Pacific Ocean instead of accepting like how redonkulous this entire situation is and then learning that that it takes a surpassing amount of courage to always become the dot you want to be that day, to become the mixed metaphor that does the thing that's important and doesn't look at the thing that is less important for right now. And if that ends up being an important thing you missed, will you do better next time? There's a quote going around uh, the internet 
last week that I, I couldn't cite directly, but it was somebody quoting an opera singer who said, I can't, I can't uh, stress out over this one note I just sang wrong because I still have 10,000 more notes I have to sing tonight. <laughs> and I think that's, a, that's kind of how I feel a lot of the time is I hope I do okay at this some days, but the days that I don't, I can't allow myself to go into some kind of personal pain hole where all I do is obsess about how much I suck at all of this. Like everybody sucks at all of this. And like the ones of us who are trying to rise above are the ones who get a little bit of sympathy for ourselves and for others. Like for others of going like, you know, how many people have you met who always contact you by the way that is most convenient for them without any thought at all about what that actually means for you? Like, do you ever ask people to do stuff in a direct message from Twitter? Well, for me, like a lot of that would be better in an email. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, or, or like, you know, like I say, like Roderick's talked about this in the past, like somebody freaking out and texting John because he's like, somebody had texted John to say, this is an old episode, but I, I hey, I, I, I messaged you on Facebook to see if you could get my kid into your show tonight and you haven't gotten back to me. And it's like, what? Like, when did I grow up bad at a black hat here? Like, what? <laughs> I didn't respond to your Facebook message for a favor fast enough and mm -hmm. now I'm like denying your child entertainment? Like, how is that my thing, you know? I'm sorry, I'm ranting. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, it's not, there isn't an easy answer, I don't think. And, and I think There's we're... There's not even a single answer. Yeah. That's the thing. And like in your situation, I always think about people kind of like your situation, but especially people who are very much involved in sales, right? Because mm -hmm. in sales, like you never let a lead drop. You never let a lead go unanswered for a certain amount of time. So like those kinds of folks bring a lot of velocity to the way they do stuff like email. But then if something doesn't happen, you might not hear from them for a while because now they're working on other stuff. And then suddenly they come like banging back at you super hard about how they need this thing now. And that just seems like that must be a very stressful lifestyle. Like, aren't you always, isn't there, I mean, maybe this is a softball, but there must be times where you wonder what you're missing at any given time. No, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it, it's definitely... A, it's, a lot of the time it's the the hurry up and wait thing too where oh well we really need the proposal you know before 4 p.m today uh <laughs> that's a real easy answer for me yeah you, you say no but i mean i've you got can, you can have a, you can have you can either have a no right this second uh -huh. or you can have a maybe next week <laughs> right so i mean but we try you know and that's that's the frustrating and and i think challenging part uh is you know being able to kind of filter out which response is the one, not which response, which things need a response in a timely fashion and, and which ones don't. And, you know, there are so many little things that show up as distractions. There used to be for, and I, I know I'm hearkening back to, you know, days gone by that will shall never return, but there used to be basically two, maybe three ways to get a hold of somebody. Uh, you would call them on the phone and they had a phone on their desk or on the wall of their house. Uh, you could write them a letter. And in that case, you didn't necessarily expect a fast response. You knew that a letter would take a few days and then they'd read it and think about it and write you back and take a few days. Uh, or eventually we had email and that, that yeah. took a little bit less time, but you know, we've talked about this a lot. Uh, the, res the acceptable response time for an email, you know, and should I delete those emails that are older than September of 2014? Much more, much more casual. Yeah. Oh, I sent him an email. I'll, I'll hear back. I haven't checked my email in a few. Have you heard anybody in the last long time say, oh, I've, I haven't checked my email in a while? That means an hour. 
<laughs> it right. used to no, mean a few totally. days, right? Right, 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 right. I mean, and it used to be so simple and straightforward as to what the expectations were. And I knew people, like, if the phone was ringing and you weren't getting it, that used to bug me when I, you know, like, because I've always had phones. We've always grown up with phones around. Well, there's lots of people alive, you know, like you always say, who've never uh, watched the Jetsons. And, you know, for them, like, not responding to an IM the instant that they get it. If I'm if I'm standing there and my family's in the same room as me and it's Saturday and my phone makes a noise, I know that I probably don't need to get it very quickly. Yeah, it could be a server, it could be something like that. But that's very different than my reaction to my phone making a noise at 3 p.m. on a Wednesday. You know, mm-hmm. that could be anything. Uh but, you know, like there is that that concept of the important people are all right here right now and something bad might have happened somewhere else. But it's I, I don't have to panic when I hear it. It's not the phone ringing. It's not, you know, the bear stalking you in the forest. And I think that has become our response, our Pavlovian response, our, our natural predatory avoidance instinct to, you know, we don't have the bear chasing us. Sometimes you eat the bear. And, you know, we have, we don't have that. We, so in a way, these external for, you know, if you think about it like this, when, when someone texts you in, in a strange way, I'll, I'll phrase this in a weird way, they're sort of dictating that that they want you to go and do something. How willing are you to give somebody else control over how and when you respond? If it's not something that's truly urgent, if it's not just, oh, my friend wanted to say hi. Hi. You know, like these people are getting your time and they're getting your time in a much more straightforward and direct way than they are with email or with even a phone call or with a letter or something like that. I am the the direct message. All of these things are, are requests for your attention. And I feel like we should be – maybe I'm talking about just myself, but I feel like we should be a little stingier sometimes with how we reply. I still remember – I was talking to a friend over instant message many, many years ago. I'll say eight to nine years ago. And uh, he and I were were having a, a, a chat over IM. And we were talking about a project that we were going to work on or something. And I was distracted by something in real life, probably my wife coming over and saying, hey, we're late for lunch or something. And I did not properly sign off with him. And I got up and ran out. And when I came back, he was like, hey, dude, what happened? Like we were in the mid, mid conversation. And I realized that for a lot of people, especially people like him, who was, he was a developer, probably in front of his computer far too long every day, uh, that, that kind of, that for him, that was a conversation. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, oh, hey dude, what's going on? And that maybe he'll take an hour to get back and I'll say, not much doing this. And then maybe I'll take another hour to get back using the old days. We used to use the instant messaging a lot more like email. It wasn't thought of so much as an ongoing conversation the way that it is now where an almost instant response is the expectation. And we're giving those people that kind of a pipeline into our world. They can kind of dictate, oh, I messaged you. Why didn't you message me back? Well, uh, it's been 15 minutes and I was reading to my kid at bedtime. So, all right, but what about this thing? Well, I know it's important to you, but the fact that you have that access to me doesn't necessarily dictate what my response needs to be. Right. Right. And, and I think as you, I think you pretty much said this, is it, it, that's so varied and so different for everybody all the time 
back to, you know, our first principles, Clarice, like whatever I want <laughs> is the most important thing in the world and everybody needs to take care of it right now. And whatever everybody else needs can wait. And that's, yeah, it's reductive, but isn't that kind of the case? I mean, you're checking, not you, but one is checking uh, the sales leads because they want to make some sales. You know, even their their desire to gather that information has a genesis somewhere. Yeah. Somebody who who went in and said, yes, it's okay for you to send me Instagram notifications phone. Like, they wanted that on some level. And, you know, if you spend, if you spend three months and keep meaning to turn that off and haven't, well, then, you know, I, I'm not sure how to help you. Like, you, that's your phone. You can turn those things off if you want. I think you'll no, be okay. But that's a great point because these these priorities are so different for different people. I don't know who is liking my Instagram photos. I'm glad people are liking them if that if they make if it makes them happy, but I never look at that. I don't I don't know it's all completely off my radar as far as who's doing that. Other people are like, well, "I only have 18 likes on this photo. Wow. Uh, I guess I got to do better next time." These priorities are just so different. Do you have like in your mind if you were had to rank uh types of contact in in a priority like what would be on top well, like a phone call would be number one and an email to in terms it. of like the uh urgency, urgency of responding yeah. to it now yeah that's a good question because I, i'm thinking in my head already like of examples that go both ways like I, I you know there's times where i just like shucking and jiving with people and texting with people and i'll just go back and forth with somebody you know on twitter uh dms for a while and it's, it's a lot of fun yeah um yeah, I, I mean, a phone call, it's funny because like what we thought of, the way we felt about phone calls in 1990 is kind of, I think, how people feel about uh, text messages now, where, you know, unless you are really busy and let it go to the machine, like you're, you're going to pick it up and, and respond, right? I think, I, so it's funny because as casual as texting is for a lot of people, I, 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 my gut is that a lot of people will don't let those pile up. They probably, it's, a, it's an in-the-moment thing, yeah. right? You t- Text messages, you can text somebody and then wait for a response later on, but that's really kind of like a neutered email. Mostly what you're wanting is when you text somebody, you want interaction. It isn't that you're just asking for something most of the time. To me, that, that's kind of a no-brainer to send in an email. But again, these, these all vary so much. My only thing I would say is like, you know, I, again, just to get it out of the way, the dot stuff is important. <laughs> like all the stuff that you can do to, to make your own peace with however the world, your world goes. Like, you're the only one. That's the only area where you have any real influence and where you can see any actual effects. And, and quickly. Like, if you decide, if you make a decision that you're going to start doing something differently, you're going to start seeing something differently, you're going to start thinking about something differently. If you mindfully accept that, you will see way more changes than a thousand memos that you send out to everybody. Right. But with that said... Uh, there's a phrase we used to use in the project management game. Uh, it's real douchey, but managing expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thinking here of like people like Mike Montero, who are so good at like dealing with clients. Uh, you know, whether you're dealing with clients or children, I think it's really helpful to start out the relationship by talking about what kind of stuff is okay, and potentially you know, optionally talking about what kind of stuff is not okay. So clear communications with people when you get started with them can be very important, especially with a client. Um, and there's a couple ways to do that. The, the way that some people that are good at it do is to say, hey, you know, anytime you call us between this time and this time, you know, we'll, we'll answer the phone, you can call these people, da 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 and so on and so forth. The ones who are real ninjas, though, give very specific direction about what expectations, how to get your expectations met. Like what? So, well, for example, I think if you've got a client, if you're doing like freelance work, client work, consulting, something like that, it helps to give them a big red button. Like give somebody 
a phone number and say, if you call this phone number pretty much any time of day, and there's obviously infrastructure behind this, you call this phone number any time of day, a person will pick up the phone and deal with your emergency or near emergency. Mm -hmm. But, But please don't do that unless it really is an emergency or a near emergency. Because we really will respond. This is why we're good. It's like we will take care of that. Um, if you send emails to us about ongoing work, um, you know you can expect a response by the end of the business day. I can't promise we'll get what you want done because that would be insane. But right, but you, you know this all sounds so obvious. But how many of us do that with the people in our lives? It sounds really pretentious to tell people that. But I think you can say to people once you have fixed your own little dot and you are like getting better at this stuff, you can set your own rules for yourself and say, you know, and, and now, now what's the difference? The difference there is like you're not presenting that as a, an automated message that says, I only check email once a month. Please go check my FAQ. But you know, nobody cares. Like, but if you give them the right thing to do, then you're, you're kind of encouraging them to, to do the right thing. Like if you've got an emergency, call this number. If it's not an emergency, you can email us. Here is your contact person for this project. If you have questions about this, uh, the way that we work here is like if it's, if it's a non-emergency thing, we'll kind of like collect those and then talk about it at our status meeting. But never give people the impression that they can always upturn the apple cart for whatever reason suits them. Because if you, and I, I don't want to put that in a negative way. What I'm ultimately trying to say is you can put this in a positive way. And so you say to them, hey, you know, you've called the emergency or near emergency button uh, phone number like three times this weekend. Mm-hmm. Just so you know, we don't think those are emergencies. And in fact... Like, you know, we, we, quit, we can't keep doing this if you keep calling that number. Think about this. When you have a client, don't you pretty much always have some kind of terms for payment? Oh, like, yeah. nobody, nobody puts just whenever on an invoice. <laughs> when you You've get got, around to sending the money, that's yeah. good enough for me. But you generally, like, if, you, if you're starting a contract or something, that's a really big deal. That's a big part of the engagement process is hashing out. We need this much money as, like, a retainer. Like, the work starts once we get the retainer money. Like, you know, really, really basic logic. Like, just so you know, we're not officially engaged until that check arrives and clears. It sounds really, you know, but like like my friend Michael Ferguson says, you know, if we talk about the money once, we never have to talk about it again. So get that out of the way, right? You would say to them, and now here's the thing. Now, the next, this, there's going to be these other two deliverables, and then there's this really big deliverable. At two points along the way, and I'm, I'm just kind of cribbing Mike Montero stuff here, but you're going to sign off on these. If you have changes, here's the kind of changes that are possible at each one of these points. This is the kind of stuff that most design folks, like it drives them nuts because it's not fun. This is not a fun conversation to have. But at each step, you're setting expectations and saying, if we both do all of these things, like this is going to turn out great. This is how we got great at what we do is through this kind of a process. Mm -hmm. So if you're on board with that process, you can pay by these dates. You're okay with changes being this flexible up until this point and so on and so forth. Like you have a great relationship because now you really understand each other. But we so rarely do that in most of our relationships because it feels fancy and it feels pretentious. But if you show people like how they can get to you reliably um, and you've made that clear, well, then a funny thing happens. Well, first of all, they probably will. They may not need to use that emergency number ever, but they feel great knowing that they've got it. They know that if they email you by this time of day, they can expect some kind of a response by this time. And they can expect that you're not going to change the world if it's 4.30 in the afternoon. So what happens now? Well, if they do start you know, texting you on weekends, or they do start sending you giant freakouts at 8 o'clock on a Friday night, right. you're very much in a position to say, I want to make sure this gets fixed for you. But as we talked about, like 
for the for the organization to run, like we we can't just be spending every Friday night answering these. You know, you do that in a positive way. But to me, that's that's the kind of thing people do in business every day and feel good about because otherwise you couldn't run a business. But I think we're kind of reluctant to do that with other people. And I, I know I am. I, I find it difficult to do. But remember that like what's the anti-pattern? The anti-pattern is me in 1995 going, I will promise you anything for increasingly small amounts of money just because I want to be loved and be able to say I have work. I will do anything. And that, I mean, I'm I'm being extreme here because I think we've all done that at some point. You've been so hungry to be loved and paid that you will do practically anything. You will promise anything. And it takes maybe a week and a half of that, if you're lucky, before you have the crummiest, clients in the world who don't pay on mm-hmm. time, if at all, and you have already overcommitted to so much low profit work that you'll, you're going to have no capacity to bring in new good clients. You've really painted yourself into a pretty brutal corner. So I'm ranting. But the managing expectations part to me is, you know, if, if somebody calls me up and says they want a web page for $5 and I send it to them in an hour, well, what have I done? I have created an unmaintainable expectation. I'm not saying you should push back or be slow to do stuff, but you should be clear about when you can do stuff that makes your life sustainable, you know? And if there are people who are driving you nuts with that stuff, you know, it's it might be worth saying, like, again, putting it positively, but I, I can't monitor all of these different channels all day long, you know? I, I'm going to end up missing important stuff. So can we agree that we'll have a call once a week or can we agree that we'll try to keep this to email unless it is time sensitive? I don't have a way to make the conversation easy, um, but there's also no way to make it, there's no more effective way to actually change anything. You could sit around and ruminate and sit there on your little toadstool and worry about all your beeping noises all day long, mm-hmm. but if you don't actually talk to another human being about communication, like how do you improve anything? Well, you can't. You're going to drive yourself insane. But I think you're describing something that is actually really sensible. The, the ability to shut that stuff off, like I've turned off Sony, everything that can be a notification pretty much on the Mac. Like I just don't need to know that my computer will needs to be recharged in an hour or whatever. Like I don't, you know, like turning that stuff off, all that notification stuff. Apparently some people now are getting notifications about website updates they never asked for. Have you heard about this? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. What is that? What's causing that? I'm I'm wondering about that. I mean, the only thing that I'm aware of is when you go to, you know, certain websites as in Safari, it will say, this website would like to send you a push notification. So once they've done that, they'll get the push notification. But I think there's something else going on. Uh, that's, that's creepy. That's not that. But yeah, you don't want push notifications from websites that you visit? I never do. <laughs> well, I mean, that used to be called RSS. Yeah, and that's what I, yeah, that's what I want to <laughs> do with it. But there's, yeah. there's an option that I'm actually looking for when you started talking about it uh, to find where you can actually turn that off. I'm looking. Okay, uh, under the notifications, if you're using Safari, under the notifications tab and preferences, there's a checkbox at the bottom that says allow websites to ask for mi- permission to send push notifications. Mine is unchecked. I'm pretty sure I unchecked it, but I think the default might be checked. But if you ever see that little thing where you go to a site and it says, I'll pick on 9to5Mac because I really like that site. 9to5Mac would like to send you push notifications. Uh, 
you have to say no. But if you keep seeing that dialog box over and over and you don't want them, you can yeah. uncheck it. And but is that what you were talking about? That's very good information. Yeah, yeah. That's not, that's I've just I, I'm not on Yosemite. I have no intention of going to Yosemite until I have to. Um, but uh, I've heard lots of people talking about it. It sounds really frustrating. Yeah. Uh, you know, the one I'll, I'll put in a vote for, and you know, maybe this is just blinders. This is maybe I'm just trying to shut my eyes. But I have it. Um, my iOS um, device is automated to turn on Do Not Disturb at 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. and to not flip back on until 7 a.m. And, you know, I do sometimes miss stuff. There, There's a cohort of my friends who do a lot of their texting in the middle of the night or DMing in the middle of the night. So sometimes I don't immediately see that stuff. But, like, I don't even want to know about it. And I've got the VIP thing turned on. If there's multiple phone calls or whatever, you know, if there's been a, God forbid, a horrible accident, you know, I'll still get it. But, I mean, okay, so that's, for that's people, a line in the sand for me. For like, people I just, who don't know what that is... Uh, there is a way that you can uh, set someone up as a VIP, and then there's a little rule where where if they uh, if they call or if someone calls you multiple times, that obviously it's an emergency, and then you should allow it to ring through and wake you up in the middle of the night. Right? Is that how that works? Mm-hmm. I think it's how it works. If somebody calls more than twice, it rings through. Um, but I don't know. I, um, I I I can't understand people who leave that stuff on all night. Like it's. I mean, this is really extreme, but it's a thought technology. You know, if you if you have a notification on for something like email, or you have a notification on for somebody like following you on Twitter, what is that? What, what is that for? That's to let you know that something important just happened that you need to know about. Here's what I will caution about: whether that's monitoring your inbox or notifications or anything that makes a bleep and a blink, is remember that. When that takes your attention away from whatever you were doing, it doesn't matter if you were, on the one hand, it doesn't matter if you were doing the most important thing in the world. That thing's still going to bleep and bloop. Mm-hmm. Conversely, it doesn't matter if that's the stupidest reason, like if that's like somebody, if it's a spam account that's following you, do you really want to wake up in the middle of the night to find out like, you know, Brazilian Bikini Wax 35 is following you? <laughs> uh, to me, like, if you don't develop the self-esteem to turn that stuff off, unless you really need it, like there will never be work that's important enough in your life. There will always, you are introducing new ways, deliberately introducing new ways to be distracted and basically telling yourself nothing's ever allowed to be that important because whatever a stranger wants from me this second will always be more important than the most important thing in my life. Which I'm putting that really extremely because I want you to just think about it. But that, that's what I would say. If you need a notification, get a notification. I don't want to forget to pick my kid up at school. That's good. That's a good notification. You know, knowing I'm going to need an umbrella is a good notification. Knowing that somebody likes my picture of a dessert with birds on a wire in the back is not anything I need to stop my day for. Right. Mm. Nailed it. Did you have anything else you want to tell me about? No. Thank God. Hour 33. Jeez Louise. A terrible episode. Oh, stop it. <laughs> I'm doing that to provoke you. It's a good one. Yeah, you got any thoughts? At an hour and 33, you probably don't have time for thoughts. Yeah, I don't think we have any time. Yeah, take this coffee away from me. Still early there. there. It's like, it's like oh, 5 you in the morning. It's like, it's like 525 here. <laughs> morning has broken. The cock has crooned. No, wow. Let's button this up. I love you, Merlin Man. I love you, Dan Benjamin. Dan Benjamin.